question for you. Uh, how many of you have ever been what's known as hangry? Anybody? How many of you have no idea what hangry means? A few of you, okay, so some of you are like, what does hangry mean? Okay, so here's what hangry means. To be hangry uh, is to be so hungry that you're actually mad about it. And so it's a compound word. It's hungry and angry, uh, and, and when you put it together, it's hangry. And, and there have been times in my life when I have been hangry. Uh, and, and when I get hangry, I get irritable. Uh, I, I get a little frustrated easily. Uh, I, and I just want, I just want to... I just want a chalupa. That's all I want. I, I just want a, a Taco Bell chalupa. And because and, and, it is the cure for hangriness. I'm, I'm convinced that, that Taco Bell, it's terrible for you, but it is the cure for hangry. Um, so, uh, how many, so now that you know the definition of hangry, how many of you have ever been hangry before? A few more hands. Yes, I, we have been hangry. Um, you know, it, it's almost like it could be a medical condition, right? That like you go to the doctor and it's like, you've got a severe case of hangry. You know, and it's like, write this man a prescription for 200 cc's of, of White Castle, quick, stat, you know, cc stands for crepe case, but, um, it's, I know, see, I can talk about food at the 5.30 service on Saturday night, because we have food after 5.30 service on Saturday night, and I can talk about it at 9.30, because we get done at 10.30, and it's not quite lunchtime yet, but when I start talking about food at 11 o'clock, people are like, okay, preacher boy, let's get through this. You got me thinking about chalupas now. But anyway, um, when it comes to being hungry, when it comes to being, you know, there are things that we hunger for in our lives. There are things that we, you know, it's not just physical or, or, you know, when we get thirsty. Think about thirst for just a second. Like when you're out on a hot summer day mowing the, not like this year, because we haven't had any of those yet, but you know what I'm saying. You know, and don't, don't scare the sun away, okay? The sun came out this morning. Don't scare it away. It's, it's very shy. Um, but when you're really thirsty, man, there's just nothing like, like a tall, cold glass of ice water. It just, oh, or, or, or lemonade, uh, you know, or, or iced tea, or a, a cold bottle of, of Diet Pepsi. Oh, some of you had that nervous laughter. Some of you were like, wait a minute, is he going to say what I think he's going to say? Cold bottle of Diet Pepsi. It chases away the thirst. But when you're really thirsty or when you're really hungry, you know, you've you got to eat or you've got to drink something because you're just, you're, you feel like you're going to die. You're not, but you feel like you're going to. And we can be hungry and we can be thirsty, not just for physical things, but we can be hungry and thirsty for spiritual things. We can be hungry and thirsty for uh, relationships. You know, if, if there's a relationship in your life that, that it, there's, it's just not good, you get hungry and thirsty for you know, a deeper connection. You get hungry and thirsty for uh, deeper affection. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, when you get, when you're uh, hungry and thirsty at work, maybe you're, you have a job that you just, you hate going to. Like, when you start thinking about, man, I gotta go to work tomorrow. And, oh, man, it's Monday. It's gonna be the worst Monday ever. And next Monday's gonna be even worse than this Monday. And you hate your job. And you start being hungry and thirsty for new opportunities. You can be hungry and, phys and thirsty physically, but you can be hungry and thirsty figuratively. You can look at the world and say, you know what, this world is a broken place, and I'm hungry and thirsty for justice for the oppressed. I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness for, the, for those who are doing the wrong things. I'm, I'm hungry and thirsty for a better world. We can be hungry and thirsty physically. We can be hungry and thirsty figuratively. And whether that's spiritual or emotional or, or uh, relational, whatever that 
hunger and thirst is that you have, that's what I want to talk about today. We started a series a few weeks ago on the Beatitudes. Now, a beatitude is simply a blessing that Jesus pronounced. Uh, and we find nine of them in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' longest recorded sermon. It's found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And this sermon is all about how to live our lives uh, practically, how to live out our faith practically. And so Jesus begins this sermon with nine blessings that he pronounces. Uh, and the first, and I want you to think of these blessings, I want you to think of this, uh, these uh, beatitudes as kind of like a stair step, kind of like a staircase, where we go from one step to another, to another, to another, and we are working towards something, we are moving towards something, and what we are moving toward is a kingdom mindset, a kingdom of God mindset, not just an earthly mindset, but a, a mindset that is focused on the things of God. And so if you want to get to that point, you've got to climb these stairs, and there are nine of them. The first one that we talked about a few weeks ago is blessed are the poor in spirit. And when we realize that we are broken and that we are spiritually bankrupt and spiritually poverty stricken, that spiritually on our own, there's nothing good in us. And you feel it sometimes. You feel like, man, I am just a terrible person. At least I do. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life I'm like, man, I'm just a terrible person. And you're thinking, Sean, if you're such a terrible person, what hope do I have? Plenty. All right. Because there's hope for all of us. And, and there are times in our lives when we realize just how bad we are. And, and the good news is Jesus says, blessed are the, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That when you realize just how broken you are spiritually and how poverty stricken you are spiritually, you are on the right track to heaven. Then we talked uh, two weeks ago about how blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And when we mourn over our spiritual condition, when we mourn over our spiritual poverty, our spiritual bankruptcy, and when we mourn over that, when we grieve our sins and grieve our sinfulness, there's comfort that will come through God by His grace. Then we talked last week about how blessed are the meek. And we said that meekness is not weakness, it's strength under control. And, and meekness uh, doesn't mean you, you get sand kicked in your face at the beach. No, 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 no. Uh, meekness is humility. Meekness is gentleness. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need more meekness in our lives. We need to be more humble. We need to be more gentle in the way. That, have you ever met abrasive, uh, prideful, arrogant Christians? Have you ever met people like that? Don't raise your hand. It's going to make me very sad. I just know it. But let's face it, we've all met Christians like that. And, and if you haven't met a Christian like that, maybe you are a Christian like that. And stop, just stop. But we have met people who are very abrasive and very uh, not meek, very not gentle, very proud and arrogant. And these are, this is not what Christians should be. Christians should be meek, humble, and gentle. That's how we should be. And when we do that, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Well, today we're going to talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness as we continue in this series. Now, just to let you know where we're going after this, we're going to finish up this series at the end of July. And then in August, we're going to do a series on relationships, the four most important relationships in your life. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse or significant other, your relationship with your children, and your relationship with your friends. So we're going to talk about relationships in August. And then in uh, September, we're going to do a series called How to Be Rich. It's not what you think, okay? Otherwise, you'd all be inviting your friends. Come on, we're going to hit the secret to wealth. I mean, Sean's going to give us lottery numbers. No, no, I'm not. I, I'm not. Um, I keep those for myself. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk about how to be rich in September. And then in October, we're going to do a series called What a Difference a Day Makes. 
And it's about people who had an encounter with God and how one day changed their lives and how one encounter with God can change your life too. So that's where we're going over the next few months. But for today, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And we're just going to look at just this one verse and and some supporting scriptures that go along with it as we talk about uh, what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 begins this way. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, along the way, the the New Testament was written in ancient Greek, and I've been teaching you some ancient Greek words throughout this series. And if you've enjoyed these little Greek lessons, you are going to love today's sermon because there's four Greek words we're going to learn today. All right, now, there's no test after this. You know, no one's going to come up to you and and what does this word mean? Nothing like that. It's just for your edification, just so you know where this all comes from. And so the first Greek word I want to teach you today is penao. And penao is a word that means to suffer want, to be needy, to crave ardently, to seek with eager desire. Now, when you've heard somebody say uh, they're pining after someone or pining after something, that's where, this, that's where that comes from. It's from this word, penao, to pine, to want, to desire. It's the word to hunger. And so when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger, blessed are those who penao. So it's this idea of, of it's more than just, oh, I could eat. You ever do that? Somebody's, you know, you just, you just ate a big meal. And somebody calls you up and they're like, hey, you want to go get some B-dubs? And you're like, I could eat. It's like, you just ate. But, so you're not hungry. You just want to go out and eat some wings. You don't have to be hungry for wings. You just eat them. <laughs> That's what you do. So this word, penao, though, it, it means more than just I could eat. It means I am starving. All right, I'm starving. So Jesus says, blessed are those who are starving for righteousness. Now, he also says, blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. And the Greek word for thirst, is, it's a fun little word. It's, it's dipsao. Okay, so dipsao is the word to suffer from thirst, to eagerly long for, to painfully feel the want of. So it's, it's again, it's more than just, you know, I need a glass of water. Uh, I, it's I am dying of thirst. Okay, so we're not talking about just a little bit of hunger pangs. We're not just talking about a little bit of, I'm parched. No, no, no. I am dying of thirst. I am so thirsty. I am so hungry. What are we hungry and thirsty for? Righteousness. Now that's, kind of, that's a Christian word right there, right? We, we, people don't use the word righteous or righteousness in, in or normal everyday speech. So what does that mean? I mean, we'll hear people talk about self-righteousness. But we don't talk about righteousness a whole lot. Well, I want to tell you what this word means. It's, it's the Greek word diakasune. And the Greek word diakasune, um, before I get to that, uh, shoot, uh, I messed up. Uh, I got ahead of myself. I hate it when that happens. Anyway, uh, in Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 and 2, uh, the sons of Korah wrote this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And so this idea of thirsting is we got to thirst for the things of God. we got to thirst for God. we got to have more than just a, you know what, I want to go to church. It's, man, i got to get to church so I can be, meet with God. i got to be close to God. I gotta, my soul thirsts for God. David wrote the same thing in Psalm 63, verse 1. He said, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I'm thirsty for God. I need God. I need to spend time with God. And we got to get to the place in our lives as followers of Jesus where we have this deep desire to be with God and to be 
with Jesus. We've got to have this thirst, this hunger and this thirst for God and righteousness. Now again, back to the word for righteousness. It's the word diakosune. And it means a condition acceptable to God or approved of God. There are two main definitions of diakosune, of righteousness. The first one is to be declared right with God. Okay, that's the first definition. That's what this definition is, a condition acceptable to God. And this happens when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and God saves you by his grace. When you believe in him, and you turn away from sin, and you repent from your sins, it means to have a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. When you confess your faith, when you publicly acknowledge your faith by confessing your faith and getting baptized, God washes away your sins. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. He changes your destiny, and... and that's what happens when you are declared right with God. You're okay with God, that you and God are good. Okay? And it happens by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's one definition of diakosune, this idea of being declared right with God. The other definition of diakosune is this. It means integrity, virtue, purity of life, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. In other words, it's doing the right things. So one definition of righteousness is to be declared right with God. The other definition of righteousness is to do the right things, to live a life of integrity. And that's the definition that Jesus has in mind here when he's talking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for doing the right things. It's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the things of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for doing righteous things. Okay, so does that make all, all that make sense so far? All right, uh, this is the same idea that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when he said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so instead of longing for the things of this world, we need to long for the things of God. We need to long for his righteousness and doing the right things. So uh, we see that there is a promise that goes along with hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So when we hunger and thirst for the right things, there's a promise. It's the second half of Matthew 5, 6. And it says this, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And the Greek word for filled is the word kortatso. It literally means to feed animals or to fill the desire or satisfy the desire of anyone. So that's what this word to fill is. Uh, it's to feed someone or to feed yourself. And, and in this instance, when we hunger and thirst for the things of God, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, God will fill us. God will feed our souls. He will fill us with himself. He will fill us uh, with the things of him that we long for. When we long to do the right things and we long for the right things in this world, God will fill us. Okay? So when it comes to this idea of, of this blessing, this beatitude, is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the right things. For they will be cortazzo. They will be filled. And God will fill our souls and he will fill our hearts and he will fill our lives with himself. And we will be satisfied. There's a lot of things in this world that will gratify us. A chalupa will gratify you, but it will not satisfy you. Because you will be hungry again. When God satisfies your soul, you will never be hungry for anything else. When God fills your life and when God fills your soul, when God fills your heart, you'll never be hungry for anything else. Because God truly satisfies. So how does this look? I mean, what do we do with this? What, what do we do with this idea that, 
you know, we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think there's two different ways that we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, your first step is to hunger for personal righteousness. To hunger for personal righteousness. Now, if you have uh, the GFCC app, if you haven't gotten your phone out yet and, and, and looked at the app, uh, this is one of the blanks that you can fill in. Um, if you go to your app store and search for GFCC, you can get our GFCC app and follow along with the sermon uh, in the sermon notes section of that. Uh, it's a very handy app, and, and we encourage you to get it. Um, but the, one of the first blanks to fill in is this idea of hungering for personal righteousness. And, and this means uh, that you need to hunger to do the right things in your personal life. It means you need to hunger for personal righteousness at home. To, to be uh, faithful and to live a life of integrity at home. I found a definition of integrity that I really like. Is this, this is the definition of integrity that I really like. Uh, it's doing the right thing in all circumstances, even if no one is watching you. Doing the right thing in all circumstances, even if no one is watching you. That's doing the right thing at home. It's doing the right thing at home. It means being faithful to your spouse in your heart, mind, body, and soul. It's, it's being faithful in heart, mind, body, and soul. It means you're not hungry and thirsting for somebody else. It means that you're not hungry and thirsting for the girl on the computer. It means you're not hungry and thirsting for a different relationship. It's not you're hungry and thirsting to get out of the relationship you're in. It is being faithful in heart, mind, body, and soul to the person to whom you are married, to your spouse. It is faithfulness. It is integrity in your personal life. It means personal integrity. It means uh, personal righteousness at work. It means that you don't take the credit for what somebody else did. Hmm, ever happened to you? I did it once. Not at work, but I did it at school when I was just a little, little guy. Uh, we had a, it was one of my teacher's birthdays. And a friend of mine was sick, and he gave me a card and a balloon to give to the teacher. And so I walk in, and I handed it to her, and I didn't say a word. She thought it was for me. It was not from me. And I tell you what, when they found out who it was from, because my friend put his name on the card that I gave to her, I wasn't the brightest little Sean. Some of you would say I'm still not. It's okay. But I took the credit for what somebody else did. That's not, that's not a life of integrity. That's not a life of righteousness, personal righteousness. So don't take the credit at work when somebody else does something. And, and, and don't pass the blame onto somebody else when you do something. So when you mess up, don't pass the blame onto someone else. Live a life of integrity. Live that life of personal righteousness. Do the right thing. Uh, it, it can mean uh, teenagers. You know, if you're in the room today, I, I want to, to encourage you uh, to live a life of integrity at school. Don't cheat. Don't cheat on your tests. And don't cheat on your homework. Do the right thing. Live a life of integrity at school. For all of us, it means to live a life of integrity, personal righteousness here at church. What do you mean, Sean? I mean, be the same person that you are at church. Uh, be the same person at work that you are at church. Live that personal integrity, that personal righteousness at work or at home that you live at church. And you're like, no problem. I am the same jerk at church that I am at home. Don't be the same jerk at church that you are at home. 
Be the good person you pretend to be here at church. Be that at home. Be that at work. No, it's, it's living that personal integrity, that personal righteousness all the way through. Don't put a mask on when you come to church. Don't pretend to fake it till you make it when you come to church. You can be real here. It's okay to not be okay here. And don't fake it. Teenagers, don't fake it. Don't fake your faith. You may have questions and doubts and fears, and you're afraid to tell somebody, you're afraid to tell a youth leader, you're afraid to tell your parents. Don't be afraid, and don't put on a mask and say, you know what, I'm just going to fake it until I graduate. And then when I get out of the house, I'm done, I'm out. I'm never going back to church. No, deal with your questions and deal with your fears and deal with your doubts now before you walk away from your faith. Because your faith is what's going to carry you through those difficult days. Ask your talk to your parents about your faith. It's okay, they will listen, and they will, they might not judge you. Don't judge your kids for their doubts. Don't judge your kids for their fears. Love them through their fears and doubts and questions about faith. Live that life of personal righteousness and personal integrity. Hunger and thirst for it, for personal righteousness and personal integrity. Next step, this is the, the only two, so this is number two. Hunger for societal righteousness. You see, God is not just concerned about you as an individual. God is not just concerned about your own personal righteousness and how you're living your life personally. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And God loves the world. God is crazy about everyone on this planet. And we need to love the world like Jesus loved the world because here's the thing. There's a lot of things in this world that break God's heart. Violence in our streets, domestic violence, child pornography, affairs, sexual immorality, racism, prejudice, bigotry. These things break the heart of God. They break God's heart. And they should break our hearts too. The ills of society and social injustice, these things should break our hearts. When we hear stories on the news of children being abused or, or domestic violence, it should break our hearts because it breaks God, God's heart. The things that break God's heart should break our hearts. We should have a hunger and thirst for societal righteousness, that the right things would be done in our world. And it starts with us. It starts with us hungering for it and being the change and making the changes and changing the world in Jesus' name. We need to hunger and thirst for societal righteousness. And so when, when I talk about, when I mean, uh, when I talk about like things like racism and bigotry and prejudice, and when you define people by the color of their skin, when you define people by their age or by their gender, when you, define, when you define people by their choices, when you define people by their sins, you are lessening them as people. You are taking the focus off of their, of, of their humanness, of their humanity. You're taking the focus off of their humanity and putting it on their actions or putting it on their characteristics. When you define people by their economic status, when you define people by where they live, you define people even by what they've done, you have taken away their humanity. And that's when prejudice, racism, and bigotry, that's when that comes in. And it breaks God's heart. I'm convinced 
that things like racism, prejudice, bigotry, domestic violence, child pornography, sexual immorality, and a whole host of other things, they break God's heart. And it needs to break our hearts too. And that means for us as Christians, for us as followers of Jesus, these things have no place in our lives. We need to hunger and thirst for societal righteousness. And we need to love people the way that Jesus loved people. And when you fail to love people the way that Jesus loved people, you are breaking God's heart. Because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to show us his love, to demonstrate his love. When Jesus went to the cross, it was the, the world's biggest love letter. He said, I love you, world, so much so that I'm willing to send my only son to die for your sins. And, and so we need to long for, we need to hurt for people who are hurting. We need to long for societal righteousness. We need to uh, long for an end to things like prejudice and bigotry and racism. We need to long for an end to human trafficking and child pornography. We need to long and hunger and thirst for an end uh, to every kind of ism that there is. And we, it starts with us as a church. We need to do more than just give lip service and say, oh yeah, that's bad. No, we need to do something about it. And it starts when we hunger and thirst for societal righteousness. When we do this, when it becomes a, a deep-seated longing and a deep-seated thirst and hunger, it will begin to change our lives in the way that we see other people, in the way that we love other people, and in the ways that we act and move as a church. Because as a church, we have the ability and the power through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we have the ability to change the world. Jesus did it with 12 guys. Jesus and 12 dudes changed the world, and one of those betrayed him. So Jesus and like 11 dudes changed the world. You're here today because of Jesus and 11 guys. So the question is, what can he do with the church of 450 people in Griffith, Indiana? What can he do with the power of the Holy Spirit within us? We can see an end in, in, maybe not in the world, but in our community, we can work toward an end of de, to ending domestic violence and to ending violence in our streets. We can work to end human trafficking that takes place in northwest Indiana, and it does. Uh, we can see an end uh, to, to hatred and, and, and bigotry and prejudice and racism. We can work toward that end, to be a community of believers who love one another, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done. The things uh, in our past are in the past. Those things have passed. It's time to move forward into a bright future, and that starts when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, both personally and, and on a societal level. And I believe that we can do it. And I believe that if we will commit ourselves, and if we will focus on, on hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we will see, uh, we will be filled we will be satisfied. Jesus said that he is the, the bread of life, and he said he is the living water. And so if you are hungry, and if you are thirsty for the things of God, Jesus can satisfy you. Because he is the bread of life, and the living water, and he can change the world. And he wants to use us to do it. So let's do it.